Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That way, if an investment comes up and maybe they didn't get the email or it went to spam or something like that, we're able to circle back to that investor to know that, hey, this is a cash flow deal. I know you really like cash flow deals or this is development. I know you really like development wanted to make sure you had a chance to look at this. Best ever listeners, before today's episode, I want to invite you to join us in Keystone, Colorado, February 20th through 22nd. It is the 2020 Best Ever Conference. And not only do I want to invite you to join us, I want to invite you to earn 15% for every ticket that you're responsible for selling should you join as an affiliate for the conference. Great way to earn money. And also, if you're planning on attending, great way to pay for your ticket, essentially. You get enough sales. So you can go to BEC20.com. And in the top left corner, it says earn 15% as an affiliate. You can click that, join the affiliate program, and you got all the resources that you need to share the good word about the Best Ever Conference in Keystone, Colorado. And we will be talking more about this on future episodes. But for now, go check out BEC20.com and that affiliate page. You can earn 15% as an affiliate, and we will see you in Keystone, Colorado. Best ever listeners, today's guest is being interviewed by Theo Hicks. You know Theo, he's with us every Friday on Follow Along Friday. You're going to get a lot of value from this conversation. So with that being said, let's get going. Hello, best ever listeners, and welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm your host today, Theo Hicks, and today we'll be speaking with Ryan Gibson. Ryan, how are you doing today? Good, Theo. How have you been? I've been great. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. So this is his second time on the podcast. Make sure you listen to his first episode, episode 1226, Why Investor Relations Are Paramount and How to Keep Investors Happy. We'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. Today, we're going to build off of Ryan's first episode, And in the first episode, he talked about how your first batch of investors when you're raising capital are most likely going to be people you already have personal relationships with, so people you know. And we've talked about that plenty of times in the podcast before, but what happens when you've exhausted all of your personal relationships and you need to start raising money from strangers, other people you don't know yet? How do you go about doing that? So we're going to talk about that as well as a few other things about investor relations and raising capital. But before that, Ryan's background again is he's a chief investment officer and co-founder of Spartan Investment Group. He has raised $14 million for self-storage investments. Again, his previous episode is episode 1226. 
He is based in Seattle, Washington, and you can say hi to him at Spartan-Investors, investors, plural.com. So, Ryan, before we get into the meat of the episode, can you give us a little bit more about your background and what you've been focused on? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Theo. We are focused on self-storage acquisitions, development, and value-add. I live in Seattle, Washington, but our company is actually headquartered. We have up to 11 employees now in Golden, Colorado, which is just outside of Denver. That's where our head office is. And we focus on finding self-storage opportunities that come with expansion or operational upside improvement where we can cash flow day one and expand onto the facility uh, and build equity while we expand the units. Or we look for ground up development of self-storage opportunities. So we'll find a high demand area piece of land and we'll take the process through its development. And our company basically backs all of the aspects of the business. So we do everything from acquisitions, capital raising, property management, asset management, construction management of the process. We oversee that. And then all the way to even handling some of the disposition side of it as well. So we pretty much do the whole value chain in self-storage. Perfect. Okay. So the two things that I want to focus on is number one, as I mentioned in the beginning, what happens when these personal relationships end you continue to raise capital. And then secondly, we talk about how your investor relations process has changed now that obviously you're bringing in people that you don't necessarily have a, a deep relationship with, or I guess a long-term relationship with. So first, you take this any direction you want. So what happens after you've exhausted all of your personal relationships? What's the next step in order to find more investors? Sure. And I, I think it's important to say that after you've sort of exhausted your network of people that you've known for a long time, it's kind of easy because raising capital under 506B, it's easy to say, well, I've known this person since I was in kindergarten as far as a pre-existing substantive relationship. But when you start meeting new people, you have to establish that relationship, especially if you're raising capital under 506B. You've got to quantify and qualify that person and really annotate where they came from. But I will say before we kind of jump into the exhausting personal relationships and going into finding new people is take care of the people that you have. And a lot of times the people that you have are people that will reinvest. I've seen too often where people spend all this time marketing for new investors, but not any time taking care of the people they already have in place. <laughs> so I think that's why people have a tendency to want to reinvest is because you keep them updated the updates, you keep them updated with quarterly updates, you make it very clear to them what is going on with the project at any given time. And I think that really takes effort to kind of keep those existing relationships in place. So transitioning out, I would say that get out into your community. One of the things that I did is I joined our city club, which is a good place where people go work out and there's a lot of community activities for higher net worth individuals. And that is a great way to get out there and see what the more high net worth community is doing. So I joined a club called the Washington Athletic Club, and that is really kind of a hub in the city to many other different aspects of different clubs. For example, at the city club, I learned about a new investor forum called Koretsu Capital that meets at the club. And that really helped us kind of understand the VC and angel investor community that's in the Seattle, Washington area. Lots of leads that can come from stuff like that. The other thing that the club kind of helped us provide is it gives us meeting space. So when we throw 
investor happy hours and things like that, the club will provide us the opportunity to have the venue at a nice setting that's a little bit more prestigious than just going to your local community library or community center or things like that. So that really kind of helped attract awareness to our business in the community. So the city club is really kind of one of those things that I think it's a little bit overlooked. Some clubs have a little bit longer wait list to get in. Some require a little bit more referrals and things like that. But I really think that that's kind of one way to kind of branch out to find new investors. So you mentioned that when you're going out there and forming new relationships and you're still raising capital under 506B, you need to put forth that effort so that you can kind of quantify that you have a pre-existing relationship with this individual. Can you kind of walk us through what that looks like? Is it a certain amount of time? Is it a certain number of conversations? Do you need to know a certain amount of information about them? What specifically are you quantifying for these new investors? So there's an urban legend out there that it's two months. And my SEC attorney actually put some color to that. The two months that the time to pass to make a sophisticated investor or existing relationship, I should say, actually comes from a company that did a no action letter. And it's two months, but I think it's also a very, very, very extensive application process. Like think of the application process that somebody goes through to get a home loan, background checks, credit checks, lengthy application status. So some people say it's two months, but you have to really kind of take that into the context of what other information did you get from that person? Is it just a handshake and then you just disappear for two months and then, okay, two months is here. It's qualified. No, it doesn't really quite work that way. It's a little bit of an art, but it's definitely a process. So the first thing that we do is we have an investor consultation with that person. So we get them on the phone and we ask them questions about what are your investment preferences? Where have you invested previously? What did you enjoy most about your investment experiences from another operator or syndicator, or maybe in the stock market? And we ask the person if they have any questions. And it's usually kind of the types of questions that they're asking really kind of provide insight as to their level of sophistication. So some of it is a judgment call, but some of it is, have you invested in private placements before? Have you had experience with these types of syndications? Tell us more about your process. So we kind of have specific questions for that. The next thing that substantiates the relationship is when that call concludes, We send marketing materials on our business so they can understand more about our process. Sometimes I tell the investor, I've really enjoyed talking to you. We think that you need to learn a little bit more about the investment community, syndications, things like that. And I invite them to go to our YouTube channel, the Spartan Investment Group YouTube channel, and watch our webinars and become more sophisticated. And I sort of put that investor on ice, so to speak, and say, hey, come back when you're trained and more experienced with this. And that it's important that you turn some away in that regard. It doesn't happen very often, but it does happen from time to time. So once the call concludes, we send out our marketing materials. We also send out a purchaser qualification form, which is basically an 11 question form that the investor fills out on all the experience that they have investing, net worth, liquidity, income, things like that. So with those two things sort of checked off, that's a great way to start the sophistication and onboarding process for an investor. So you said it kind of starts off with an investor consultation and then it sounds like then these people kind of go into two buckets. One, they are sophisticated enough and then two, they aren't sophisticated enough. And then based off of that, you've got a different process that you put each of them through. What kind of system do you have in place that helps you 
kind of track when to follow up with these people, what you're going to follow up with, just making sure people aren't falling through the cracks. We use Podio and we have a couple of backends, Zapier and Globiflow and things like that, that help us build out our CRM system for that. But when the consultation is happening, I have my Podio up and open and there's lots and lots of information that we fill out on the investor, where they came from, what their background experience is, notes on the call, what we discussed. And the thing that I always like to make sure we record is the needs, wants, and objectives of the investor. Um, that way, if an investment comes up and maybe they didn't get the email or it went to spam or something like that, we're able to circle back to that investor to know that, hey, this is a cash flow deal. I know you really like cash flow deals or this is development. I know you really like development. Wanted to make sure you had a chance to look at this. But the follow-up and those notes, you can assign a task to follow up and you can make it a time-based task where we circle back to that investor at a specific date and check in to see how they're doing. So we reach back out that way. Okay. So in my notes, it has that you have 1,200 investors with over 15% of the list active. So before I go into how to keep people kind of engaged, what percentage of those investors would you say are repeat? You mentioned something that I really liked, which is before we go into how to find new investors, make sure you're taking care of your existing investors first because they will reinvest. I'm just curious if you have like a, a ballpark number of how many of those 1,200 have invested one time and how many have invested multiple times. Yeah, I would say I don't have the exact statistic, but there is very, very few that have never reinvested. So I'd probably say it's in the mid to high 90% have reinvested in our projects. Okay. And then 15% of your list is active. Does that mean that you're getting like a 15% open rate on your emails or 15% click rate on your emails or saying that 15% of those 1,200 investors are actively investing in your deals? This is really interesting. So when you have a 506B offering, you cannot send the offering to all the investors on your list because there may be some people on our list that are not engaged. They haven't gone through our process. So it's really important that you have a system that says... This guy just filled out an investor intake, but we haven't talked to him. He hasn't filled out a purchaser qualification form. And we don't know anything other than what he's submitted other than first name, last name, email. So we have a process for reaching out to that person and taking them through our process. However, out of the 1,200, only about 700 of those at this point in time are qualified to actually receive an investment. So you take 1,200 narrow it down to 700. And then out of the 700 that we have, our open rate is about 56 to 60% for projects. So if you take 1200 investors, really only about 350 of them are going to get the actual email when you send the deal out. So it's kind of important to sort of keep that in mind when you're adding people to your list, about 25% are really going to be, are going to see the email depending on how you qualified them and brought them through. Now, I know other investors or syndicators do 506C, so they can blast their deal far and wide to the world. But I think the reason why our list engagement is so strong is because we take the time to contact each investor, understand what they want, and follow up with them and build a relationship with them that's stronger than just always having to blast far and wide to the world and just sort of try to raise money from random people through the 506C our mission statement kind of is more in align with getting to know everybody and establishing personal relationships with everybody we do business with. So I think that engagement and kind of understanding the data behind that engagement really helps 
attract people and keep people engaged in the process. From the last episode to now, how has your investor relation process changed? Uh, specifically, I'm not sure if it's true or not, but how has it changed now that you're focusing on kind of bringing in new investors as opposed to doing investor relations with people that you or people on your team have known for years? The legality of the process hasn't changed. However, the strategy and tactics to getting that person to be a qualified investor for Spartan has changed quite a bit. And that's just, it's more just the attention to detail and specifically identifying how that person became attracted to your business. Because when you're raising capital, you've got to make sure that the person that comes into their business, you have a record of how that person was attracted to the business. So how's our investor process changed? It's just gotten better. We have a monthly webinar on how to better improve your passive investing career. So a tax legal strategist on a webinar every month, we do that as a way to engage our network, engage our list. So maybe the investor heard about our company, Spartan Investment Group, through a webinar. So we annotate it that way. And the detail that we have to go and put into our CRM is intense. We have to make sure that we are tracking everybody that comes in. And now that we're adding anywhere between 30 and 100 investors per month, it's important that every single time somebody comes in, we're tracking that information more closely. And I think that's probably been the biggest change versus just, oh, I've known this guy forever and he's my friend. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's a little bit more casual when it's like that. But when it's, hey, who is this guy? And it's, ah, I think I talked to that guy three months ago and yeah, I'm not really sure what he was all about or his background. So that's where now it's, you know, no, there's a, there's a call, there's specific notes, there's specific buttons that we're pressing, there's annotations that we're making in the system, and there's a purchaser qualification that the investor filled out. So now we have a ton of information kind of in the background on deciding when this person ultimately becomes qualified to receive an offering under 506B. Do you have a breakdown? Because you said you're adding 30 to 100 investors per month. You mentioned the webinar, you mentioned the Washington Athletic Club and how you host happy hours there. And how each time someone comes in, you have to say, this is how we met them. Do you have sure. a breakdown of where those 3,200 investors are coming from? Yes. Yeah, I would probably say that the number one source is between webinars and podcasts. So kind of online, digital, things like what we're doing today. That's probably been a big referral. The next in line is probably referrals from people who've had good experiences that referred us to others. The referral is the strongest thing out there. People get referred to our business. The podcasts and the conferences, that's a great list builder. However, the people that actually pull the trigger and decide to do investments are referrals because they know what's the trust bond between the person who is in the deal or somebody that they know referring you to the business. Those are probably the most effective list generators. The other one is through SEO, online advertising, or just social media. I shouldn't say online advertising. We don't really do any paid advertising, but just through online and meetups. That's probably the three major ways that the 30 to 100 come in per month. So the number one source for the people that come to your list is webinar and podcast. Do you have a specific call to action that you have at the end of your webinars and podcasts? Or is it something that happens more naturally because you're providing them with information on how to passively invest? And you mentioned that you can passively invest with me. And so they naturally go to your, your landing page. Is it more of a, a proactive yeah, call to action? We try to keep it strictly value add first. If you kind of say like, oh, invest with us, apparently my SEC attorney doesn't really like that too much. So it's got to be kind of generic and not specific. 
So what we do is when somebody comes in and watches a webinar, we will follow up with that person and say, if they're somebody that we've never had any contact with, we'll reach back out to them and say, hey, thanks for attending the webinar. Here's a link to the recording and here's the slide deck. We have some deals coming up this quarter, but you're not qualified to receive them yet. In order to do that, jump on a call with our investor relations department. And then we take them through the process and get them qualified that way. And that way it gets us time to get some one-on-one with the investor and then get to kind of know them a little bit more. And then they go on our list as a more engaged investor versus just a random person on our list that may or may not even know who we are or forgot how they got on our list in the first place. So that's probably the number one way to do it. All right, Ryan, is there anything else that we haven't talked about as it relates to investor relations, finding new investors that you want to mention before we close it out? No, I would say just make sure you're getting out of the community. And I always just say that one thing always leads to the next. So like I said, you join one club in your community, it can lead to so many different other things like Rotary, going into a different investor angel capital uh, or VC investor capital forum. It makes great connections. So just get out there. And I think that's really the best way to do it. All right, Ryan, this has been a very informative episode. I've got a lot of notes. Just to quickly summarize what we talked about. Again, the main focus was what happens after you've kind of exhausted all of your personal relationships and you're going to go out and find investors that you don't necessarily know. And first and foremost, I got this bolded. The only, one of the main things I have bolded is take care of the people that you already have because they will reinvest. And you did mention later on in the episode that referrals have the highest conversion rate of all of your, your lead sources. So if you're out there and you're beginning to branch out to new investors, make sure you're not doing that. Make sure you're still focusing on your current investors as well. One of the tips you gave early on was to get out in your community. More specifically, you gave an example of how you joined an athletic club where people with, with high net worth work out with other activities. And that's kind of like a nexus that allowed you to join other clubs as well. Plus it gives you a more sophisticated space to host at different events. You went into specifics on what you do to qualify a new relationship and to kind of convert it into a pre-existing relationship so that you can raise capital from them under 506B. First thing you talked about is your investor called consultation. You went into specifics on that. You talked about how at the end of the call, you'll send them marketing materials on your business. I went into specifics on that. And then you also said that you will send them an 11 question form that allows you to get some more information on them as well. We talked about your follow-up system, how you uh, Podio. We talked about your list breakdown and how if you're doing 506B, you most likely can't send your deal to every single person on your list. So make sure if you do have every single investor contact on your list, you've got some sort of of breakdown so that you're not sending your deals to the wrong people. You mentioned that your open rate is 60% of the people who are qualified on your list and your explanation of how you've been able to have such a, a high open rate is that you really know these people a lot. You know what they want and you follow up constantly, which is a lot of one-on-one time, it sounds like, which creates a, a much stronger relationship. And then lastly, we talked about how your investor process has evolved over the years now that you're bringing on these new people. And ultimately, it's kind of just more attention to detail, identifying how they became attracted to the business, making sure you have a record of all of that. Specific examples you gave were hosting a monthly webinar on how to improve your passing investing career. That and the podcast are your number one source for new investors to your list. The number one source of people who actually pull the trigger are referrals. Next, SEO and social media. And then below that is meetup groups. And then when you are doing any of these lead generation strategies, you specifically focus on strictly adding value and being more kind of generic 
when asking people, trying to get people to invest in your deals as opposed to saying, hey, you want to invest in this deal? And then kind of your overall advice was to make sure you're getting out into the community, put yourself in situations where you can meet high net worth individuals and those situations will lead to more opportunities and it will basically create a snowball effect. So Ryan, again, very powerful interview. I'm looking forward to actually writing a blog post on this, multiple blog posts on this. Oh, great. I'll make sure I include a link to your website in those blog posts as well. Best ever listeners, thank you for stopping by. Have a best ever day and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Best ever listeners, go to BEC20.com. Look in the top left-hand corner. You can earn 15% as an affiliate. You can join the affiliate program and participate in the conference that way and basically earn a free ticket to the conference, BEC20.com. Have you heard about the latest podcast for entrepreneurs called Tough Decisions? Listen to Dan and Danae Hanford as they interview successful people from around the world about tough decisions as entrepreneurs. Visit toughdecisions.net and be sure to subscribe to their free weekly entrepreneurial email. That's toughdecisions.net.